thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. What is up? Welcome to another live edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today, my good friend and co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing great. Dean Wade and Lamar Stevens. <laughs> Impact players at the highest level. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were the they were the true reasons why the Cavs won the yeah. game. Not Harry Scarlett and Kevin Mobley. Nope. That 41 points was purely just cosmetic. <laughs> oh, man. Beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful down the stretch. That was a tough game to watch at points. I'm not gonna lie. It, it was not. It was not pretty all throughout the night. No, it was definitely a uh, offensive showcasing for both teams. Defensively, though, for this Cavs team that's mostly known for its defense, that was uh, making me want to scoop my eyeballs out. <laughs> scoop you? Oh man, that's a that's a hardcore reaction right there. <laughs> I can only imagine what JB's reaction is after the initial celebration in the locker room, being like, "Guys, that was a great win." But at the same time, that defense was atrocious. What was it? Yeah, I mean, to allow them score 60-plus in the first half, if I'm not mistaken, that that was already just leading to questions heading into the second half. I mean, this is a Pacers team, I believe, that was uh, scoring 110 a game before Mm -hmm. tonight. So we knew that they could put up points. But they were hitting some ridiculous shots. And yeah, I, no. I, was, uh, I was catching a little bit of flack on Twitter because uh, right after the game started, I had tweeted out, man, uh, Dwayne Washington is a guy I wish the Cavs could have <laughs> been able to get. And people were like, this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Stop boosting him up with your tweets, Mac. Your positivity can only go yes. so far until uh, it's uh, an apparently, issue. Apparently, you, you know I can control you know the outcomes of games, apparently. I guess I have that much sway now. You're you're Calvin Ridley. <laughs> what man? I'm not even going to get into all that. That I don't know what anybody's thoughts are on that. All I'll say is that uh, that's one year. Jeez, Pete Rose is like somewhere trembling, <laughs> being like, "That's all you get is one year." You're right. It's like, geez, Louise, geez, Louise, junkyard dog award. Uh, of course, to me, uh, I'm going to give it to Lamar just because those last two possessions, he was the reason why the Caps won the game. Uh, DG and D Wade were awesome, not to be confused with Dwayne Wade, but Dean Wade, he was, he, he, he definitely, and you guys know how much we love Dean Wade on this podcast. We call ourselves the premier Dean Wade podcast for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) We've been vouching for this man and Lamar to constantly get minutes. We give the unsung heroes the songs they deserve. Yeah, I just when I look at this team, this was definitely a team win tonight, especially being able to gel like they uh, like they did without having Jared Allen on the court, which was big time. That That's a big time loss. Uh, I honestly I, I never truly had reservations about how Mobley would play at the five uh, starting the starting the night out at the five. But 
if he'd really had any doubts, uh, left any doubts inside anybody else's mind, I'm sure he kind of, uh, you know, they were quelled tonight with his performance out there. And it's, it's obviously not going to be that way every night. Uh, but tonight was definitely a confidence booster for him. And I'm just, I don't know about you, man, but I'm waiting on the, uh, we don't need Jared Allen chance to begin. Yeah, I mean, if those ch- chants want to get started, do you want to like remind yourself of how the game looked defensively at <laughs> <laughs> major stretches for this game? Precisely. Because Jared Allen, as much as as nice as it is that he scores like a consistent fifteen a night for us offensively most nights, it um, yeah, the defense overall was definitely the thing that suffered for this team. And as we know, this Cavs offense is heavily oriented in the pick and roll. And when you lose that other option offensively with Jared Allen, it just becomes an Evan Mobley pick and roll. It it really takes yeah. a lot away. It's a complete to me. It's completely different. Like the pick and roll, the look and feel of it just looks completely different because Jared is at least uh, a bit more physical and can can get past people a little bit better than Evan Mobley can. Evan Mobley is very much more finesse <laughs> than yeah. uh, than Jared Allen, but the pick and roll can still work. And uh, we saw that. Yeah, there could also, like, if Mobley's three-point shot gets a little more consistent, there could be a little pick-and-pop, too, which would add a lot to that pick-and-roll combination that Jared just simply can't have. Like, it's nice that Jared Allen can sometimes hit that mid-range jumper at the elbow, but it's usually he only, he'll only willingly take it when the defenders usually sag off of him and just be like, all right, you can shoot if you want. But with Mobley, as we see out today, his shot profile is so diverse that there's as long as he takes those attempts, he'll keep the defense honest, which will be a nice change of pace. Yeah. I, I think honestly, those shots will be able to fall if he's taking them with regularity. And if he's beginning to get more and more comfortable with the pick and pop, then it's definitely an aspect of the game that we could see, you know, uh, as a steady, uh, a steadying presence, even when Jared Allen returns. But to me, man, tonight was all about the one, the only uh, Darius Garland. And as you can see, great minds kind of think alike here, too. We got two different jerseys here. We got the uh, the, the, uh, right. the skills competition jersey, if you will. <laughs> and then uh, Max got the all-star jersey. Yeah. And before we move further, you know, I did want to go ahead and point out I do have the other jersey here that I've been it, it kind exists. of. It exists. Yes. It's, I'm not wearing it. <laughs> Just <laughs> is pre-owning your jersey. You're welcome. I know that's what everyone wanted. Yeah, I, I I just don't want you guys thinking I'm wearing it and just gonna send it to you. But no, I got another one sitting right here. If you guys are able to get us to that 300 subscriber mark, I'm picking one of y'all and I'm sending it to you. you just got to provide your address. But that only happens if we get if and when we get to that 300 subscriber mark. <laughs> Otherwise, Mac will own two, or he'll be kind and give it to me. <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> we were going to duel over it. Yeah. I that was back. Uh, what's one to wear and one to frame while wearing it. So you get double the pain for those who subscribed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but all fun and games tonight, you know, in regards to that, it, I don't know if it would have felt that way at the Cavs lost after Darius put up 41 points. Now, if you lose in an effort like that, <laughs> you just were not meant to win in the first place. No, and I feel like at times I was trying to think. I'm like, now when Darius scores career highs, I feel like for some reason they're always associated in losses. And it's like, oh man, 
another reason why the playoff cracks for this Cavaliers team are starting to show because Darius has to put the entire team on his back and then no one else seems to be able to be that secondary the player. Jokes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a point in the game, like I think towards the third quarter, where I thought I saw him like kind of wincing and holding his lower back. And I was like, oh, great. Is this really worth this injury to beat the Pacers? He played 37 minutes tonight, uh, much like some of the other starters. Dean Wade had 37 himself, but we're not concerned with Dean Wade because Dean Wade's minutes can fluctuate. We are tonight. always concerned about Dean oh. Wade. <laughs> Come on, man. Excuse me. <laughs> Dean, if you ever listen, we need to have you on. We need to have you on. There's my wife right there. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Perry. <laughs> yes. Hi, babe. <laughs> uh, that said, yeah, any night in which Darius Garland scores 40 plus, really, in my opinion, Anything above 30-plus, the Cavs should be in contention to win the game. Um, if they, th- This would have been a, a, a just a complete wreck to their confidence had they lost this game uh, with him doing that much. It would have, I don't think it would have signaled any particular message uh, to, to the Cavs team in general, but it definitely would not have helped their confidence if they were able to, you know, uh, if, if they ended up losing this game after such a Herculean effort from them. Yeah, I um, I constantly am thinking. I I don't know. I'm kind of shifting my mindset in this la- later half of the season to what is going to translate to playoff basketball, and especially between like this Raptors game and this Pacers game. All I've been thinking about is how Darius just really is putting so much on his shoulders every game. It feels like, mm-hmm. and we need these like Herculean performances in order to get out of these tough situations against teams. That, in all honesty, in my opinion, I think we should beat without these types of efforts from Darius. But with every injury that has come onto this Cavaliers roster, it seems like Darius has taken another step up in order <laughs> yeah. to compensate for it. And at some point, like that's not going to be a solution for this team. And <sighs> I'm just thinking, like in the postseason, they're not going to they're going to do what the Pacers were doing in the latter half of this game where they're just like, all right, we're just going to double the minute Darius gets the ball, and we want someone else to beat the us in this game. And there were points in like the last two minutes where Laurie had open shots, Dean Wade had open shots, and no no other people were really stepping up. Outside of for that Mobley put-back tip, it really felt like Darius had to do the entire thing. And honestly, as great as that win was, it was a little <laughs> concerning at the same time. Yes, and that honestly brings me to what I had been thinking about over this last stretch of games. And that, my friend, is perception. And the word perception. In life, oftentimes, situations are as you perceive them, you know, in all walks of life. And basketball is no different. And in regards to the Cavs, I believe that perception is highly important to this season. And the, the reason why I say that is because this Cavs season has been – very exciting, right? I mean, I think every by all accounts, it's been exciting. There's been so many ups and inevitable downs, things of that nature. But, you know, through it all, we've been able to bore witness to not one, but two all-stars. The Cavaliers are sixth in the East, and as long as they can stay ahead of, what, Toronto, who, uh, the tough game against them, they're going to be okay. And they will have exceeded any expectation that anybody had now dude you know how optimistic i am you you know how positive i am but if you were to tell me that this Cavs team would have all of this going on i'd say man you're you're out of your fucking mind like 
no, this would not have happened in in, in my opinion. And, and that's me. Y'all know how positive I am. Yeah, I know. When I went into the season, I was hoping just to compete for play-ins. I mean, that's all I wanted even last year was like, I don't care if we're the 10th seed or the, like, even like the 11th yes, seed about to like knock. <laughs> no, it, no, like in the beginning of the season, I totally was like going to be content with a 10th seed. I just wanted this team to get in like the third, like late thirties win range and just be like, you know what? Close to 500. Good enough for me. And that I, I will always take this season and just like, reminisce about it not think negatively being like oh man if this team doesn't win a second round game this is gonna be bullshit and this season's <laughs> over <laughs> i'm always gonna be happy about this like i, I as, even if we were in the play-in i would still t- i would pull my best mac impression and still have walk away and be like you know what a play-in game experience that's that's good enough for this team it's valuable yeah anything is valuable for this team as long as the lottery like anything but lottery really gives this Cavs team like a small thing they could build on. I just want an inkling of postseason experience for this Cavs team at this point. And I like, think you'll get that, man. Oh yeah. I just, I I'm now just thinking of like, how are teams going to game plan against this Cavs team? So I, cause like, I think you don't want to go in thinking that this Cavs team is just going to do the same stuff they're doing in the regular season and hope that it's going to all work out because there's still a lot of things as well as we're playing despite the diversity or adversity <laughs> in this situation <laughs> that I, um, I just think they need to figure out how to orient their game plan more in a postseason format. Cause like it's, it's so different. Like the pacing's all different. The offense is different. The intensity's different. And that's what all I'm really do, thinking though. About. Like, like I, like I, I believe you and I understand it. And I'm like, I agree with you like 150%, but what else can they do? Because to me, it's like a lot of this is personnel driven. Like you have to have players out there that can get you buckets because as, uh, as our friend Zach Nance here pointed out, you know, the stress where they forced the ball out of Darius hands scared him moving forward, you know, heading closer and closer to the playoffs. And I, I kind of feel that way too. The Cavs don't have a lot of options. Uh, in regards to like go-to scores, I mean, we'll have Karis LeVert back, hopefully, whatever whatever the hell's happening with that situation. Um, we saw Rondo out there tonight, but we know pretty much what he brings to the table. Especially in the postseason, playoff Rondo, playoff just Rondo. saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we hope we get that playoff Rondo, and hopefully, you know, the rest has done him some justice. I know a lot of people were kind of clamoring for Brandon Goodwin to be out there tonight uh, throughout certain stretches. Uh, just to circling back, a lot of this is personnel based, in my opinion. Like you, you don't have Colin Sexton. You, I'm assuming that he's not returning, but you never know. I guess <laughs> DG's your guy. I mean, so I don't know how much more scheming you can do if you're JB. No, I don't think it's anything that they're going to really be able to fix right now. Not I just, I know it. Like this, what the way that the Cavs are playing now won't even be the way they're playing in the postseason because there's so many bodies that are missing that can come back. Like specifically like Jared will come back. Karis will come back. I'm not, I, I honestly have completely written off the idea that Colin Sexton is even going to come back. I don't know if I really would want him to either. Honestly, not like coming on like a soapbox and being like Sexton should never play for this Cavs team again. <laughs> it's just more, I'm thinking more about his like health in general. I don't know if it's really worth Colin Sexton. Sexton giving up a valuable recovery time just for him to come in and play like eight minutes a game in the postseason. People are acting like Colin Sexton is going to put on like 
put on these like super like some cape or something and be like, I'm gonna play 30 minutes a game coming off of this injury I had for that sideline me the entire season. Like <laughs> I just don't think players come back from injury that easily. I mean, I'm just thinking not that of, kind of injury. Yeah. I mean, anything with the knees and the legs in general, I mean, this is such a drastically different injury comparison. But I just think of like Paul George when he shattered his ankle at Team USA. Like Paul George didn't turn back into Paul George for like weed. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't think he even came back for like he wasn't really Paul George again for half of a season. So I don't think throwing Colin Sexton into let's say a max eight games in the postseason is worth the setback that could possibly happen from a team and individual standpoint. There are definitely like advantages and disadvantages, and there's a lot to risk there on both sides. If you ask me, obviously the the reasons for Colin are obvious, you know, he's in a contract year. Um, My opinion is that he'll probably end up signing like a one year contract with the Cavs just to kind of reinstitute his value, but he does risk further damaging whatever value that he has right now. And, you know, I think, this recent stretch of games, if not really this whole, there's different points throughout the season you can point to and say, Hey, Cavs can definitely use a guy like Colin Sexton. And that was, that was a big reason why they acquired Karis LeVert. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to risk there, but I, I'm, I'm like you, man, I, I, I kind of feel like we're not going to see Colin and I'm okay with that. If we don't just because, you know, considering what the Cavs have managed to do this season, uh, just heading back to that perception. I'm the way I perceive this season is that it was never truly about contending. It was never truly about like make pushing all the chips in. And I know we've like echoed these sentiments a million times over, but it still holds true even even through all this injury adversity. It's like this is about development. I mean, that's just how I perceive it. I'm I'm never going to tell somebody, hey, <laughs> you're wrong. You don't have the uh, you know your opinion isn't valid or the way you see basketball is different than mine. That's, that's all it boils down to. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really want to ever kind of put someone down for their opinion either. I just feel like it seems like people really are so uh, binary with their point, like any of their cast takes it's your, it's either I'm right or you're right. (laughs) That's exactly how it is. And you can't ever find an agreement in the middle on pretty much anything, but I feel like, I mean, you and me feel like I feel like it's a pretty open dialogue regardless. I don't think we've ever had to like tell each other and be like, hey, man, you know what? This is re- your point is just terrible. <laughs> like, let's just shut That's it down right take, now. Corey. That's a bad take. You are embarrassing us. You're the reason Dean Wade will never be on this podcast. Oh, man. All I, um, I know. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go. I was just going to say, like, this this season, whatever your opinion may be, not you, but anybody in particular, whatever your opinion may be, you cannot watch this team and not be excited about the potential that they have. Like, the, the future is so damn bright for this team. Uh, and, and wins like tonight do not make you feel necessarily good because it's coming against a Pacers team who, who just overhauled. I'm, so I'm not taking them at their record. They're a completely different team. But we all know this is a game that many people expected the Cavs to win, and they did because they needed to, right? Yeah, that's all I was gonna say. <laughs> I um, I was gonna say going back to the sex thing one last time. You know, <laughs> I um, I feel like the, the another reason why I feel like this Cavs team should just kind of stick with what they have is because the one thing this team has not had all season is continuity and 
not cool point. And balancing a Sexton reintroduction to their lineup is going to just kind of, it's going to be a weird spot. You like, you're trying to reincorporate this player who should have the ball a decent amount, but that's also going to mess up touches on players that were like expecting a certain amount of touches all year. And the playoffs is the last point in the year where you're going to be like, you know what? Let me just uh, try these other lineup situations out. Like, let's uh, reacclimate Sexton in the second and third quarter, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> or because like we're already going to have to reacclimate Lavert. I feel like Lavert's can probably have a solid like maybe two and a half weeks or three weeks where he's going to have to refine his way back in, and then it's like, oh, by the way, Lavert, now that you found your way back. Here's Colin Sexton, who pretty much plays the same exact way as you. So we beat that drum to death. Like, I don't like I'm we're perfectly both of us. We're perfectly happy with the trade that occurred because it didn't cost the Cavs too much. Uh, We were always uh, along the lines of as long as the deal did not cost you Colin Sexton or other core members, then by all means, go ahead and get rid of Ricky Rubio's contract. Uh, But. Yes, we, we were kind of, you know, in lockstep with the fact that we felt that Karis LeVert is uh, an older, less efficient, somewhat injury-prone version of Colin Sexton. But you see with Zach, uh, Zach Nance's comment down here, a 1% chance. Do you give him a 1% chance to play? Because it's Colin Sexton, and I feel like he'll run through a brick wall before someone tells <laughs> him not to suit up. I I feel like I would say there's a 5 percent chance Colin Sexton okay. comes back but it's mostly because of the type of character Colin Sexton has that I feel like he wouldn't give up if there was a chance like he definitely wants to be out there I okay. think it's just going to take someone in the Cavs organization to kind of be like hey Colin like I know you really want to play but at the same time I don't know if it's the best thing Sit for you down. specifically <laughs> to play <laughs> yeah. JB's be like I love you Colin look at me I love you like a son but you're you're being an idiot right now. <laughs> <laughs> don't your jeopardize your future. Yes. Your knee is bent at a ninety degree angle right now, Colin. I don't need those visuals. I already you already gave me the visual of of Paul, Paul George. George, the L. <laughs> <laughs> you got that? I mean, we could bring Kevin Ware back if you really want to. Oh, the bone out, man. That that game. I still remember that game. That was that was just excruciatingly tough to watch. Not let alone <laughs> on live TV. <laughs> this in podcast form has to be brutal for someone to listen to. They're just doing, they're minding their own business. And now they're getting all these like intrusive images of just <laughs> gruesome injuries going on in their headspace. Oh, man. Yes. Basketball injuries are a terrible thing. It's something that the Cavaliers have been accustomed to this season. Apparently now, you know, we, we lost Colin just 10 and a half games through. We lost Ricky Rubio, uh, very, you know, not too long after that, we've had to deal with various ins and outs in regards to the COVID protocols. You know, pretty much everybody across the board, I feel like, has missed the game this season. And now, Jared fucking Allen, dude, like Jared, the 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 big man that that we rely upon so much in regards to the pick and roll, is presumably going to be missing the rest of the regular season. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, man? Like, how can the Cavs? navigate these uh these these muddy waters right now i feel like the best way to make a positive spin zone of this jared allen injury we is don't that- want positive we want real 
No, I, I honestly think this I'll is going to be really good for Evan Mobley. I think this is going to kind of allow him to – I mean, when Evan Mobley was drafted, everyone kind of assumed that maybe he was going to eventually grow into the five for this Cavaliers team because no one was really sure how him and Jared Allen were going to work together. And as the season's gone along, obviously, we know that they're a great pairing. But it seems like when Evan has to, when Evan plays the five, it's when Jared's out of the game. So he's kind of not playing with the starters or in the flow of the game necessarily. And now I feel like, like we said before, this is going to give him a lot of opportunities to kind of develop those types of skills, not only defense, uh, offensively, but defensively as a center. You can't really do what we were doing before. We were kind of just sending him out like a heat seeking missile while we play zone defense. It's like, all right, we're going to play a box and here's Evan Mobley. He's going to be tonight. Yeah. And I just think this is going to be really good for him. I don't know if it's going to really benefit anyone else necessarily. Our defense is certainly going to suffer, but I think offensively for, I only, I only think this will benefit Evan Mobley because I think (laughs) Darius really relies on Jared Allen offensively for these screens and for pick and roll. So I think if that's the positive that's going to come out of this. Otherwise, I think there's going to be a lot of rough spots for us that we're just going to have to just navigate through to the postseason. But we've created a good enough cushion, like you said, between us and the Raptors, where I don't think it's going to really hamper anything. But it's definitely going to get ugly at times. That would be my warning. Yeah, we have a brutal stretch of games coming up. So we definitely needed this one tonight. Uh, I I somewhat agree with you. I feel like this is definitely something that uh, a lot of people are wanting to see. You know, Evan Mobley at the five people. I believe that ESPN still list him as a center, Uh, maybe power forward center. But we don't really like we as Cavs fans. Like, I don't know about you, but. I I've done away with that a long time ago. Like now nah, you're a power forward. You're, you're uh you're Tim Duncan, you're Kevin Garnett. You're not a, you're not like a true center. You might be a center in like height, but you are not a center in mentality or uh skill if you ask me. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to make the Tim Duncan and uh the general comparison I, the admiral. <laughs> I, uh, Jared Allen is very good. <laughs> the general auto insurance, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> I, uh, but I think that they, they definitely work together and I yes. don't see a situation in which they really, the Cavs should ever feel unless like their backs against the wall. They're just not breaking through the glass ceiling for potential for this, like five years down the road where they're like, you know what? I guess Jared Allen's going to be the piece that has to go. If we're going to try to trade for an upgrade in some other way, yeah, this is like not, probably not going to happen. I'm just like, we, we all know how these like it's really nice for the first few years. But if you don't keep breaking through expectations to some point, they're going to just be like, all right, well, we're going to have to get rid of someone. I mean, look at the Celtics like when their backs were against the wall this year. It was like, all right, well, who are, who are they going to trade Brown or Tatum? And if you said three years ago to Celtics fans, you're going to contemplate which one of the good small forwards you have, who's going to go. They'd be like, you're on crack. We're not getting rid of any of them. Are you going to hold on to all of these, uh, these pieces? Isn't, that's kind of been the Celtics problem over the season. So like Danny Ainge for so long held on to so many of those draft picks when he could have acquired like Anthony Davis back in the day. There's just a lot of different guys they could have acquired with their treasure chest. That they <laughs> Mac, had. if you're telling me that you would rather have Anthony Davis, then Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Aaron, ne- uh, Aaron Neesmith. <laughs> Come on. Peyton Pritchard. 
Am I not? Are, are I we not hearing the same thing here? <laughs> you got two, one and a half good players out of that group because I think Grant Williams is good now. But yeah. and Peyton Pritchard is good some nights. But if you're telling me I could have Romeo Langford <laughs> right now for this Cavs team, I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think just to your point, if you're looking at this team and things don't work out, I'm not so sure uh, Jared Allen would be the first person looked at just based upon public opinion, uh, especially Twitter. You, one would believe that Isaac Okoro would be the guy that people would think to ship out, but he's just so damn like impactful outside of the box score. Like I, I don't see it. I, I don't know if you've seen these things, but a lot of people are really starting to get on Isaac Okoro for not providing more of a presence in regards to the box score stats. I mean, box scores are just so people who don't watch the games can just look at it and be like, oh, he had a good night, and that's it. Like, no offense to the people <laughs> who look at the box scores, but I've never – you can't never tell how a game went really by looking at the box score because some of the big – like a player, let's say, like like when we looked at Ricky Rubio's box score – you're going to look at his shooting percentage. Like, that dude is just shooting bricks consistently. Yes. Literal you bricks. Watch, you watch the game. Every cast fan was like, God, he was so integral to this team's success. And it, it, people who read the box score are like, what are you looking at? Cause I'm looking at him going three for 14 and you guys are just freaking out. It just, it's, you have to dive deeper than just simple stats to realize the impact that a Cora makes. And I don't know if you know, for Stevens too, like you, like tonight, you know, I believe Isaac chipped in 11 and had a pretty decent shooting night, but his impact just goes far beyond that. Even if he scored zero points tonight, well, I mean, obviously that would hurt. He'd take those 11 <laughs> points off the board. But just his impactful play on the defensive end and in other areas, like deflections, geez, like some of the deflections that he had tonight and some of the hustle plays that he had were like critical down the stretch. And I, I do not think the Cavs win this game without everything that he provides. And to me, like this, the whole like, should Isaac Coral start when everybody gets healthy, like Levert and Sexton, to me, it's, it's not necessarily about just like who's the best player. It's about best fit, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, just look at that Philly game that we saw uh, on Friday. Uh, t- you tell me if you didn't want Isaac Okoro playing in that starting lineup, who did you want to guard James Harden out of that oh, they starting Jetty out there. They, they oh, oh Jetty yeah, out. yeah. You know, I love Jetty as much as the next guy, but at the same time, I'm not going to be the one screaming from the mountaintops. Jetty Osmond is going to lock down or even put pressure on James Harden. I'm pretty sure James Harden would just go through life unbothered if Jetty Osmond was his primary defensive matchup. Indeed. Like, he wouldn't go to work. I love Jetty. You know I love Jetty. Point Jetty all day. But no, Jetty's getting cooked in the starting lineup by James Harden in the playoffs. That's just you know, in a regular season game, too. It just doesn't matter the setting. You don't want that. You want fit more than anything. Like uh, Osmond is perfect off the bench in the role that he has because it's been like simplified. Like we've talked about that numerous times. Like small, simplified role. And Jetty's fine. He can provide you an offensive spark. Ditto for Kevin Love at this point. 
Yeah, I think when people think of this cap starting line, they kind of treat it like they're playing 2K. <laughs> and they're like, how can I maximize the amount of offense I can get out of this starting lineup? And then when the bench comes in, you're going to be like, wait. Um, so who? you're telling me I can't start Dylan Wendler anymore? <laughs> Knock that threes all day. <laughs> you could have, you could just use K in charge, Dylan Wendler. Cleveland charge. Sorry, we, we rebranded. Oh, yeah. I am. I am. I'm a fraud. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <The> fraud. <Yeah. laughs> I, uh, I just, I don't think people understand that you want synergy with these lineups. Like you, even if a Coro is a zero offensively, some nights, his defense balances out what he doesn't bring offensively. And you need compliment. Cause like everyone always complains. I feel like it's like, well, the starting five is pretty much two shooters and then three non-shooters, and that just doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, well, why don't we pause, take a look at the plus or minus with certain lineup arrangements, and you'll find that our starting lineup usually ends up with a net positive rating. Yeah, that in Okoro is starting to hit the three ball a bit more now. Like, you're never – he's never truly at this point, at least within the next, like, the, the, the remaining games, he's not going to scare anybody into picking him up, uh, you know, at the three point line on a night to night basis. But he is starting to get a semblance of it, and that's enough for the defense to have to honor it uh, to a degree. And so, you, one would think that if you're continuing to allow him to take those opportunities, not pulling him from the lineup, making his confidence shot, anything like that, then he's going to improve incrementally. And this is good for his development. I mean, you got Lowry back out there for the spacing. Um, and and really, honestly, this is such an unconventional lineup to begin with. I mean, you have seven freaking uh, – well, you have three seven freaking footers. So it's just <laughs> – it's it's not something that all teams can pull off. It's very much based in the personnel that the Cavs have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, are we also forgetting that even though we lost that Philly game, that Isaac Coro had 22 points? <laughs> <laughs> it was like a very – like. He does not play a pretty brand of basketball. I'll say that. It's not pretty, but it's hard, gritty, and and, and determined. So you you want guys like that on your team. Like, he's a glue guy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossolo talk about this all the time, but players that would thrive in a different era. And if you picked up Isaac Coro from modern day and threw him back in, like, the 1980s, he would be one of the best players in the NBA. I think Lamar Stevens could actually play carve out a niche role on some of those 80s teams because he's got some, he's got some uh, dog in him. If you put Lamar Stevens and Isaac Coro on the bad boy Pistons – Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, put, him, put him with Dennis Rodman and those guys. Drop yeah, him into NBA. that. Yeah. <laughs> that team would be ferocious. <laughs> Man, that uh, that area of basketball does not fly anymore. Obviously, the offense has changed, and this is such an offensive-driven game. People like to see scoring. They, you know, nobody. You don't really see too many defensive highlights these days. <laughs> those just don't do. Even a very nice block, like those, just don't get the love that they deserve. And Isaac Okoro is one of those guys who's like, who may forever not truly be appreciated for, for all that he brings to the table. I mean, picking up the defensive assignments that he does, it it takes a lot off of, at least from a defensive standpoint, off of Darius Garland's shoulders. Yeah. 100%. I am um, going back to the Pacers game real quick. I was thinking throughout this whole game, this is such a random side tangent, but he has given me PTSD now that I was thinking 
that when Jalen Smith hit his first like three shots, I'm like, damn, Jalen Smith escaped Phoenix and he looks like a serviceable player. And then he was single-handedly leading the charge to tell the comeback. <laughs> Absolutely. You just never know. Like teams show up to play the Cavs. <laughs> Jalen Smith was logging zero minutes a game for like 50 games so far this season. Gets traded in a last minute effort to Indiana because Phoenix didn't want to renew his third year of his rookie contract. <laughs> and now he's like hitting threes. He was blocking shots. He was he would well. He almost threw the game away with a terrible outlet pass to mm. Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, but I couldn't even take the dude seriously. He's wearing like swim goggles, and he's just destroying the Cavs. The, the triples, those like every single. I don't know about you, but I feel like every single time he was about to shoot one of those, it was going in. Just it just uncannily, like it was so odd. It was the I was gonna just come into this being like, man, what a good story for Jalen Smith. And then like at the end of the game, like, oh my God, Jalen Smith is gonna beat the Cavs single-handedly. <laughs> <laughs> like if you told me the offense was gonna come from Halliburton healed or Brogdon, I would have been like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. But then the Jalen Smith element of the whole thing had me just like astonished. Dude, like Pacers. 50% from the three-point line on 16 to 32 shooting. Cavs, 9 of 32 for 28%. And they still managed somehow to win this game. And how many of that was Darius, though? I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you're sitting here looking at the uh, the, the total box score, you're 4 of 9. <laughs> Most pretty much half of them, right? So Yeah, certainly felt like it. I mean, yeah. the other thing we can't, you know, Mac, you and I, we sit here and we bash the Cavs for shitty free throw <laughs> nights after shitty free throw night. And we didn't even give him a second of praise for actually making, they won this game solely off their free throws. This is our uh, best free throw night in a while. 89%. I am not mad at that. I think Darius was nine for nine tonight. There was a point where we were like 22 of 24. And I was like, damn, this is a good night. UK night. Yeah. Like you're they're They're actually playing. JB must have got into him, man. Like, seriously. I don't know. Like, free throws are always going to be like a finicky thing for most players. Like, few few players can you absolutely just know are going to drill uh, a free throw every single time they come up. Darius is one of those guys. You, you can generally Kevin. count on him. Yeah, Kevin. He's He converts at a very high rate. Uh, but it's never truly a given. So, uh, shout out to the Cavs tonight for actually uh, pulling their weight <laughs> from the free throw line. Yeah, if um, it was nice to not have that kind of be a thing, a thorn at your side throughout the game, being like, if we just made our fucking free throws, <laughs> like something would turn around. But now it was just like, if someone other than Darius could hit a shot, that would be nice. Yeah, and that just that harkens back to like having additional options like additional go-to scores out there which until Karis LeVert comes back you just really truly don't know what you're gonna get like you cannot realistically and at least in my opinion you cannot realistically expect Evan Mobley to go out there and give you 20 plus every night from the center spot I mean it's it's possible it can happen I'm never gonna throw a limit on that guy just because these last two games beautiful basketball um but he's a rookie Still a rookie, still very young, and we he's just really coming out of one of the worst like shooting stretches of his short career. So you you really don't know what you're gonna get from this entire starting lineup outside of DG from a night to night basis. Yeah, it's nice to see that Evan Mobley put 
tw- like two 20 po- plus point efforts back to back between mm-hmm. the Raptors and the Pacers because he was going through probably the worst stretch of his rookie season so far offensively. So to see him even have the level of confidence back is nice. And if, if his jump shot can stay like remotely consistent, that's just a huge plus. Cause I, I feel like this is like uh definitely <laughs> this could be just hyperbole, but I feel like I see him having like a Joel and B type shot profile that like, I think he could grow into that. Like that could be his ceiling offensively. What was Joel Embiid in his first season? What were his stats? I'm about to uh, <laughs> DNP. <laughs> Well, yeah, the first season he could actually get on the court. Good point. Good point. <laughs> a few DMPs there and there. You know, they're sprinkled like every other 76ers. Yeah, pick. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Let's see here. Yeah, he did, that's crazy that that dude didn't play his first two seasons, like the true seasons, I guess. And that uh, only means Zion will heal fast. Yeah, like dude put up 20.2 in – 25 about 25 and a half minutes a night and he only played 31 games though but i mean i mean certainly i mean the shot profile i guess i haven't looked at that but it could end up being something like that down the stretch i think that over time if like if if mobley's shot improves every season gradually then he definitely could grow into some type of shot profile like that. That doesn't necessarily, that doesn't mean that I'm saying he needs that in order to be successful offensively. Every player is unique. I'm not going to, no one is a clear copy and paste Mm -hmm. to another player in the league. I just like, there's moments like that shake he had late in the, or early, I think it was in the beginning of the fourth quarter over, um, I think it was Buddy Heald where he, the shot clock was expiring. He turned around, just did a, turnaround jumper that that to me was reminds me a lot of what Embiid does today which kind of made me sit and think like hmm there there's potential for that to kind of develop into like his archetype yeah I could definitely see that happening and I would be you know elated if that were to end up being the case um obviously Embiid is one of the two front runners for the MVP at this point in time so if uh Evan Mobley ever reaches that status we know that he's probably a lot to be uh, a hall of fame on a hall of fame trajectory, at least at the very least. And so uh, that being said, you know, I just want to go ahead and again and take this time to point out to you guys that if you'd like to be added to the exclusive it's Cavalier discord chat, please uh, rate and review the podcast wherever you subscribe or listen to it and send proof to it's cavalier 53 at gmail.com. And we will drop you right into that discord chat. And as Corey stated earlier in there, I haven't taken too much of a look at it, but we are still in, in the infancy of uh, getting that <laughs> together. So if people are like not quick to reply, that's why <laughs> just there, it's just, it's right now it's the Will Smith meme of from Fresh Prince. I'm kind of just sitting in the room staring around. Yeah, it's just Corey. <laughs> I'm just, just speaking into a into the void. Be like, yes. how about this game tonight, guys? <laughs> and then I get one response and I'm like, nice. Yeah, that and this beautiful secondary uh Darius Garland All-Star jersey. I do want to hand that off to somebody, but we do need to get to that 300. <laughs> Corey wants it <laughs> that 300 uh subscriber mark so if you're not subscribed and you're viewing today do yourself a favor leave a like you know thumb it up whatever you want to do and then subscribe because you're you're gonna miss out on some good stuff 
you know, Corey and I, we're not always this this jovial, but well, you know, we, we we keep it positive, we keep it real, and we want you guys to be a part of that. Leave us a review. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us you hate us. <laughs> Tell us something. <laughs> yes, um, as they say. Uh, all news. Well, I don't even know what that damn saying is. I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> all news is good news. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. You heard it here first. With that said, you guys have a good night.